welcome to Ivy League Murders. My name is Sarah Alcorn. I'm a Harvard graduate and a private investigator. And my name is Laura Rodriguez McDonald. I'm a University of Miami graduate, longtime crime aficionado, and part of a fourth generation NYPD family. Laura and I don't always agree on everything. With her NYPD roots and my criminal defense background, sometimes we find ourselves on opposite sides of the jury. We do share a mutual passion for crime solving, and we both grew up in Cambridge, steps away from Harvard University. On Ivy League Murders, we discuss cases where the best of the best make the worst decisions. We look at people who seemingly have it all and throw it all away. Hey, Laura, if our listeners want to support our podcast, what can they do? You can go to our website at clovercrestmedia.com, where we have merchandise, a donate button, and all of the books we talk about. We also can be found at buymeacoffee.com, and we would love any input or suggestions from our listeners, and we can be reached by email at ivyleaguemurders at gmail.com. And very importantly, if you enjoy the podcast, please hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star review. We really appreciate all the support we've gotten so far. Welcome back to Ivy League Murders. I'm Sarah. And I'm Laura. And we want to thank everyone for tuning in. We have a great show today, so we're going to dive right in. But first, we want to say a special thank you to Caroline Crescenzi, who is my fellow PI, and she helped a lot on this case. Now, let's get to the show. Last week, we did a kind of a flash report on the tragic and senseless murder of Kevin Jiang. We wanted to add an update to this case and also add that this is a very live case for us. We want justice for Kevin. Kevin Jang was a second-year master's student at the Yale School of Environment. He was killed one mile from Yale's main campus shortly after 8.30 p.m. on February 6th. New Haven police responded to multiple gunshots, and witnesses said they saw a new black vehicle flee the scene. Kevin is the sixth murder victim in New Haven so far in 2021. Initially, he was thought to be a victim of a random road rage incident because the New Haven police noted that there was damage on Kevin's car. Kevin Jiang was an Army veteran, the sole supporter of his mother, Linda Liu. He studied forestry at Yale. He came from the Chicago area. He was a giver, a very kind soul, a devout Christian who was active in his church. Laura and I have talked to some of Kevin's friends, and a little later on in the show, we'll fill you in. Kevin was an amazing person. The latest update on this case is that the main suspect, King Xuan Pan, has gone from being sought as a person of interest, and now he has a warrant out for murder. And that was just announced yesterday, Sarah. Exactly. So they must have found more evidence that points in his direction. Yes. There's a $5 million bond out on Pan. In addition, U.S. Marshals are offering a $10,000 reward for any information leading to the capture of Pan. So who is King Xuan Pan? And what is his connection to this case? King Xuan Pan is a graduate student in computer science at MIT. He specialized in artificial intelligence. His name appears on a few research papers. Pan was in the vicinity of Kevin's murder. The police stopped Pan about eight miles away in a scrapyard in New Haven shortly after the shooting. His vehicle had a flat tire and he was acting strangely. Had they run the plate of the SUV Pan was driving, the New Haven PD would have seen that the vehicle was reported stolen out of Massachusetts. In fact, Pan had gone to several rental agencies looking for an SUV that someone could lay back in. According to the rental agent, 
Pan told him he was going to take a road trip and he would often take, quote, naps on the road. The rental agent thought it was odd because the seat was bumpy and would not have been a comfortable place to sleep. Was Pan lying in wait for Jiang? Seat all the way back, unseen until it was too late. Pan was last spotted in Georgia with family members on February 11th, but the marshals have expanded their search nationwide. And if you recall from our episode last week, we went to Pan's house. We saw that the door was boarded up, and we assumed that there was a warrant served there. According to the Malden police, they also had responded to a report of a domestic argument involving Pan in 2020 at that Malden house. We have so far been unable to reach any of Pan's friends or family for comment. So what is the connection between Pan and Jiang? He was the TA, or the teaching assistant, for another student, Zion Perry. A week before his murder, Zhang proposed to Perry and jubilantly announced her engagement on social media. She said yes. This was all over Facebook, Sarah. The proposal, pictures, they were very, very happy about this, as one should be. Exactly. And so was Kevin's murder connected to his engagement to Zion Perry? So Zhang proposed to Perry January 30th, and a week later, he was dead. We cannot confirm this, but there are postings that Pan had an inappropriate fascination with Perry. And while the news is quick to say there's no evidence of a romantic relationship between Pan and Perry, the police say they, quote, unquote, are not ruling out a romantic rivalry. Hmm. Did Pan become obsessed with Perry and after the announcement of the engagement, lose it and kill Kevin in a fit of passion? That's my theory, Sarah. I think it's a solid one. I just, this case, I really have tried to put my investigator hat on and try to figure out kind of what happened. I don't think the police are fully revealing what the connection is here or solidifying. Definitely. No, they're keeping it very close to the vest here. I think they know a lot more than they're saying. Definitely about the relationships between Pan and Perry. But the fact that Pan has gone from a person of interest to having a warrant out for murder is, to me, they have more evidence that they've compiled to make that leap from person of interest to murder. So let's break it down a little bit. So he rented this car. We had said that in our previous report. Yes. It's my theory that he was looking for a car, as I had said on our previous podcast, that he was looking for a car where the seat could lean all the way back so that he could lie in wait for Kevin. So you think he was basically stalking Zion and Kevin, lying in wait, watching them? I believe so. And because then- as we mentioned earlier, Pan lives about five, ten minutes from our studio right now. He lives in Malden, and this happened in Connecticut. Exactly. So he lives very close to where we are in Medford, so he went to Connecticut. So he was seeking them out. Exactly. He had no business in Connecticut. And by the way, one of the warrants still out for him is for a stolen vehicle. Right. He took the rental car. Right. So why is Pan in a scrapyard when he stopped by the police? He had a flat tire. And I'm wondering also if the police go to him that he's got a flat tire. He's a well-spoken guy. I'm sure he talked his way out of it. The police towed the car. Then they drive Pan back to this Best Western in New Haven. Without ever running his plates. Then they didn't run his plates, and they didn't realize that the vehicle was stolen out of Massachusetts. 
So I think if he had not gotten the flat in the scrapyard, he would have just driven away and probably been scot-free. So Pan gets back to this Best Western in New Haven. Right. And then he flees. But I'm wondering, how does he escape? Is there an Uber driver out there that drove him to a rental place? Where did he go from the hotel? And where did he get the funds? Well, that possibly, he probably planned for it, I would imagine, and have a bunch of cash. But I believe probably most Best Westerns, like most hotels, you have to give them a credit card, right? You can't just give Mm -hmm. them cash and say, my name is John Smith. And And just to clarify, when I said the police knew more about Zion's relationship with Pan, I'm not assuming they had a relationship. I think the relationship was in Pan's mind. I think there was no relationship. I I think that he probably imagined one and maybe was interested in her. I think she's a complete innocent. Oh, yes. I, I absolutely, absolutely. I, absolutely I don't want to do. insinuate anything. I think that this They're, may be the case of an obsession. I believe so. They knew each other. There are pictures on Facebook where they're at a party at MIT right, together. Right. So I'm just wondering, like, what does CCTV show us? Do they show, sure. do they show Pan's vehicle leaving the scene? I'm sure there's footage from the Best Western. His mother also said that he got a new cell phone shortly before he left Massachusetts. If Pan is a computer person, he's familiar with data. He knows that I'm sure they can ping his cell phone. But even in getting a new cell phone, and again, I've been reading up on this, and it's the same technology that they have used to find out who was part of the insurrection, quote unquote. And so what they do is when there's a murder, they do a cell phone dump in that area. And they can pretty quickly sort through. They eliminate the neighbors, but they find data. And they may have found data that went from Massachusetts to New Haven and be able to at least have tracked him down. But I think the changing of the cell phone is interesting because he's savvy enough to know that they would have been able to use his original cell phone. So that's just a factor. I'm just bringing that up because I'm trying to figure out how the police are investigating this. Exactly. And you brought up a really interesting point about COVID and fugitives, Sarah, which I hadn't really thought of until you brought it up. The whole, I mean, look, COVID is, is a fugitive's dream because if you think about it, we all have masks on. You put a mask on. Some sunglasses. Some sunglasses and a hat. And it's true. I was on the subway the other day and I was, you literally can't tell who anyone is. Although, Laura, you have a solid theory about what you think. Again, the marshals have a nationwide search out for Pan right now. Yeah. But- I mean, I think it's quite possible that he may have killed himself and they just haven't found him yet. We've seen this in other cases. It's hard for me to believe that he's that clever and has the means to be able to escape the federal government for this long. I you agree. Know, it's fairly difficult to do that with law enforcement looking for you. And I don't think he's been able to get onto a plane and go. He's actually from Shanghai originally. Exactly. So we also, I'd like to urge Yale to up the $10,000 reward. The reward. I really like, because I think that maybe a higher reward might bring some more people out of the woodwork. Absolutely. I I mean, we're really, you know, it's been some time now. I think it's time to up the reward. There's a tragic echo for me with the Annie Lay case in that Annie Lay was also due to be married and these poor families 
families instead of planning a marriage are planning a funeral. Right. They're both tragic cases. Andy Lay's family was able to get justice quickly. Uh, we'd like to see the same year. But let's talk a little bit more about Kevin and who he was as a person, not just as a victim, because we really want to thank some of Kevin's friends who we were fortunate enough to speak to. Thank you so much for trusting us with this. We feel so strongly about this case. The more I learn about Kevin, the more this just becomes a more compounding tragedy for me. He was an amazing person. Amazing. And one thing that really struck me is because Kevin lived in Washington, he lived in Chicago, he lived in Connecticut, and everywhere he lived, he really touched people. He did. He was a deeply spiritual man. Absolutely. And one story, we spoke to his friend Rex, and you know, I was thinking, oh, how did you meet Kevin? And I thought he would just say, uh, you know, we met at church or we met. No, this guy was fishing and Kevin just jogged by and they waved to each other and they just started talking and they just sat down and had this deep spiritual talk. And then fast forward years later, they're still friends. They're still connected. They're celebrating Kevin's engagement. Like that's how deeply he touched people from that one little connection there. They maintained a friendship. They saw each other. And then this man was crushed. He was absolutely absolutely crushed. And we spoke to Kevin's old pastor and he told us about this fabulous trip they took to Taiwan. And that Kevin didn't have a whole lot of money, but he wanted to go. And the whole mission to Taiwan was to help kids who live in rural areas who don't have access to learning English. So Kevin went over there basically volunteering. And the thing that his pastor told us was that he, in order to be able to afford it, he had to take his motorcycle and drive up to Canada and fly <laughs> from Canada. And, yes, and, it was you know, like and trains, took, planes, and automobiles. Absolutely. And it just, he said that the kids just absolutely loved Kevin and he was, uh, he, he just did. He exuded joy. He sent us some pictures with Kevin holding a lizard and a video. And I mean, you just feel the joy. I mean, this is such a loss. I just can't fathom what we've all lost by losing him. And his family, we want to urge people to contribute, as Ivy League Murders has to, to the GoFundMe page to help ease the burden Absolutely. of his Ke- mother. Kevin was the sole provider for his mom, and the GoFundMe helps her to cover the funeral costs for Kevin. So it's right. a very good thing to do. It is. It's the last thing that she needs to be worried about. We're Ivy League Murders. We want to keep our listeners up on this case. If anybody has any information, if anybody wants to talk about Kevin, please, we urge you to reach out to us. Our email is ivyleaguemurders at gmail.com. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram at Ivy League Murders. Facebook, Ivy League Murders Podcast. Reach out to us. We will keep you abreast of the story. And like we said, this is a very, very live case for us. And we want justice for Kevin. So please help us if you can. uh, Yes. And we are going to be heading down to New Haven as soon as possible to to talk to the neighbors and to try to develop leads down there. So we'll keep you posted as soon as we have information about that. We want to thank you again for listening to Ivy League Murders. Murder, murder, murder.